T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is At Home Connecticut, hosted by Joey Burgoyne, highlighting events and happenings that are taking place in your home. Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Good morning and welcome to another episode of At Home in Connecticut. I'm your host, Joey Burgoyne, and I've spoken about this in the past. We've talked about it. The one thing that hasn't shut down is the outdoors. We've talked to the Connecticut Forest and Park Association, and one of the things you'll notice when you're outdoors, it depends. You know, it varies season to season, but you hear the wildlife. And one thing you hear is the birds. And I will admit, over this past summer, we were at our campground a lot. I became fascinated, to an unhealthy degree, according to my wife, with hummingbirds. (laughs) (laughs) Hummingbirds are kind of out of the question this time of the year. But joining me this morning is Patrick Cummins, the executive director of the Connecticut Autobahn Society. Thank you for joining me this morning, sir. Just give me a, a quick history of the, you know, the 50,000 foot, the way the pigeon flies history of the Audubon Society, sir, in Connecticut. Sure. We were formed in 1898, uh, really um, because of the uh, outrage of the unregulated uh, hunting of birds back then. Uh, there, was, uh, there were birds going extinct. There was um, all sorts of market gunning going on. The passenger pigeon was uh, really heading towards extinction at that time. And um, these various Audubon societies popped up in states uh, around the Northeast primarily. And then um, um, some of uh, us um, stayed independent, where, whereas other Audubon societies joined up to become the National Audubon Society. Uh, so we're uh, an independent um, organization uh, that's uh, more than 120 years old now, 122 years old. And we work to conserve the nature of Connecticut, you know, for birds, other wildlife and their habitats for the benefit of, of, of our residents as well. And that's one thing we think, you know, we're in Connecticut. How many, you probably can't give an exact answer, but how many rough species of birds are there in our tiny little state? Somewhere in the 430 range. It keeps on uh, growing. This Just this year, we added at least two species uh, to the state list uh, with a Townsend's warbler, which actually we ended up with two of those, and a, um, a Pacific golden plover was the first record of one of those in Connecticut, and that was uh, about a month or so ago. Now, how do you get, you know, if I'm going out with the family and we're looking, you know, we're hiking through the trails, and like you said, we'll get to that. A lot of your trails are, you know, none of the trails really closed. You just kind of had to let everyone know, be a little more conscious when you're out on the trail. But if I'm out with my family and I see a bird, what's a good way or how do I get to have my kids and me start to identify these different types of birds? 
Well, you can get binoculars are, are, are really coming down in price. Uh, you can get, you know, decent quality optics these days. And we do sell, um, uh, you know, mid to high grade optics at Connecticut Audubon Society for our eco travel program. Uh, so get observing the bird and really noticing the details about it is, is, is how you go about learning the birds. And you, you just you get to know a few species. And you know something's different. You, you can recognize a robin, you can recognize a cardinal, you can recognize a blue jay, and then all of a sudden you see this little brown bird, and you know maybe you can figure out it's a um, it's a sparrow. So you just you know you take note. Oh, does it have white? Where, where does it have white on it? Where does it have yellow on it? Um, you know, does it have streaks on the breast? And then you can check a field guide and, and see what bird uh, most closely matches uh, um, you know what you saw. Um, you know, there, there's other ways. Um, other little tricks too, you know, getting to know what birds are going to be seen in Connecticut when, um, you know, is it, it, helpful too. It helps you narrow your list of, of what to expect when you see a, something out in the field. Um, but, uh, you know, birds are fascinating and uh, people are really um, starting to notice birds more. I think it's with so many people working from home and they were working out on their decks and you know, hearing the birds and seeing scarlet tanagers and their oak trees and seeing rose-breasted grosbeaks at their feeders. And, and these birds were always there. They just uh, didn't didn't notice them. Mm-hmm. That was one thing when I was talking with um, Jared Griswold a while back. She's up at White Memorial, also does our traffic during the weekdays. But we were talking about that, and she, she had, it was it was a great comment, and I, I wish more people understood this, that, like you said, more people are working from home. They're understanding these things. People, the party in your backyard has always been going on. You just haven't been home to notice it. <laughs> right. You know, and yeah. that was the, we were at our campground a lot more this summer. The kids were, you know, distance learning. I was distance working. And I was like, you know what? We have the hummingbird feeder in the shed. I might as well put it up. And then a couple of weeks, one hummingbird comes. I was like, oh, okay, that one's kind of neat. And then, wait, that's not the same one that was here. So then you, it's, it's <laughs> I don't want to say it's addicting, but it's, it's very fascinating to me to learn. And I mean, one thing, Connecticut, we always get the big, I don't want to say the hype or, the addiction when it comes through is the bald eagle. Yes, it's a yeah. it's it's our nation's bird, but you know, what would you in your mind, what bird is in this state that kind of goes under the radar that you would like more people to know and keep an eye out for? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> um um semi-palmated sandpipers. Um they're only here a few weeks a year, uh, but Connecticut plays a hugely important role for them and we and, and we support tens if not hundreds of thousands of them in migration every year and uh, they winter in south america and they fly non-stop they're, they're smaller than a robin they're like sparrow sized birds they fly non-stop from suriname and the north coast of uh of south america to our our marshes and beaches and and in you know a few inland ponds and such um in the springtime um and so they're exhausted when they get here, and they have to fatten up, and they stay around for a few days to a week or so, and then they fly again nonstop up to Hudson Bay in Canada, uh, fatten up again, and then fly up, you know, even further into the Arctic and, uh, uh, you know, northwestern Canada and, and uh, Alaska. And then again, they, they do that same thing over and over again with these long hops from Alaska to, to Hudson's Bay to the shore of Connecticut, then to, to uh, South America. So even though we have this bird that's only for uh, maybe three weeks in the spring and four weeks in the fall, um, maybe 
maybe a little more on both ends. Uh, Connecticut plays a critical role in its uh, survival because if it wasn't for our, uh, our long, you know, the healthy habitats of Long Island Sound, these birds would not survive their long, perilous uh, migratory journeys. And is that something where Connecticut kind of goes unnoticed to where are we like a major, I don't, I don't, sounds weird, major hub for air activity for the birds? <laughs> yes. Billions of birds likely pass over Connecticut annually. And you can actually see them on the radar. Uh, if you get an unfiltered radar, um, the National Weather Service mosaic shows it usually. At night, uh, during spring and fall, you'll start to see these blue blobs on the radar screen that then will contract uh, come dawn. And those are actually the birds flying overhead. And you can, you, you, know, you can go out, you can predict what weather the birds will be coming in, so you know when to expect them. Then you see them on the radar. Then you can actually go outside and hear them flying over. Um, you know, and, and, and some people can even identify what kinds of birds are flying over uh, when, when they are. It, it's, it's really neat going outside in your yard at night in May. And, you know, I've had shorebirds fly over, like yellow legs and cuckoos flying over and uh, all sorts of interesting things. I've had screech owls calling in my suburban neighborhood. Um, you know, it's, uh, birds are all around us and they're, and, and they're really fascinating uh, creatures. And you, you touched on this a little bit, the eco travel. Let's get into that a little bit more. What is that and how can someone participate? Sure. Um, we have an eco travel office in, uh, in Essex, um, and we organize trips both with groups or charter, if you will, you can, you can charter a special uh, trip if you'd like, uh, either locally or anywhere in the world. Um, but we, um, you know, we, we go to, we're going to Tanzania, um, in, uh, February of next year with a group, it's actually sold out and we're going to be, uh, um, posting another trip there. Um, we've gone led trips to Iceland. Obviously we're not doing much international travel right now, mm -hmm. uh, but we still are doing, uh, uh, you know, regional trips and we're planning for the future hoping that, uh, you know, travel will become safer in the coming months. And uh, people are signing up now, uh, you know, for the trips in the fall in, in expectation of things opening up. Um, we also run things like uh, Eagle and Swallow Cruises along the Connecticut River. And then we have um, environmental education centers also uh, scattered around the state, uh, one in Old Lyme, one in Pomfret. Uh, we have uh, an education office that works out of the greater Hartford area, uh, we have uh, two centers in Fairfield, one in Milford, and uh, one in Sherman. Uh, so, um, and, and we have uh, more than 20 uh, um, nature sanctuaries around Connecticut, uh, comprising 3,300 acres of some of the most spectacular uh, um, habitats in, in the state. And Connecticut just really is an amazing place uh, for nature. If I want to put out bird feeders, this time of the year, we're mid-January, the weather's a little weird, it's usually much cooler this time of the year, but if I want to put out a bird feeder to help the birds either migrate or just sustain the winter, what should I be doing food-wise and safety-wise? Yes, it, that really depends on where you live. Um, you know, if you're in bear country, you have to be a little bit more careful. Um, uh, make sure that you wait to put out certain types of uh, bird food until after the bears are, are, are safely hibernating. You don't want to attract them into suburban areas. Uh, but bird feeding, um, it, 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 all of our feeder birds are doing well population-wise. So it's probably beneficial to the birds, but it's also really beneficial to us. 
because it, 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 these fascinating creatures that actually come into our yards. And some will show up just, you know, maybe for a couple of days uh, in the course of a year. Uh, you, know, you may have a rose-vested grosbeak or a um, indigo bunting visiting your feeder. Or this winter, you may end up having a, um, a flock of red poles or evening grosbeaks visiting your feeder that, you know, have, haven't been in Connecticut for, for, you know, like eight to ten years. Bird feeding and landscaping for birds, I could go on for days about that. Uh, but providing waters is one way that you can uh, help out the birds, and especially if you can do it, uh, have liquid water in the winter and fresh water in the, the, the drought times of summer. Um, the best general food to, to start with are probably sunflower seeds. Again, unless it, it, it's uh, bear country, uh, that's the, the seed that, that most species of birds like. And then, um, you know, different, eventually you can do all sorts of different things because different types of birds feed at different heights. So you can have feeders that are high up that might attract your finches and the chickadees, and you might, might have feeders close to the ground for the ground feeders like the juncos and the uh, towies and the, uh, uh, and the white-throated sparrows. Never thought so of height as an issue. Huh. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there are things you can do to enjoy the birds in the summertime when, you know, even if you're in bear country, um, there's all sorts of land, landscaping techniques that you can use to make your yard more wildlife friendly and have interesting butterflies that visit your yard and uh, interesting birds stopping by your yard and migration and interesting birds that, that nest in your neighborhood. Um, and no matter where you are in Connecticut, there, there are interesting uh, birds and other critters like, uh, uh, like butterflies around us everywhere. And, you know, that's one thing. Another thing that people don't realize is the birds also kind of take care of the nuisance insects. So it's not a bad thing to have a little yep. flock of birds that kind of visit your yard every once in a while. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that's what's known as ecosystem services. And, uh, you know, they've calculated the value of insect control uh, of our wild birds is just uh, it, it's in the billions of dollars um, you know, in terms of uh, uh, eating mosquitoes, eating uh, uh, pest insects. Um, you know, uh, our birds are mostly insectivores, and there are billions of, of them in North America. And there, there have been places like, I think it was, I think it's Guam, where uh, the brown tree snake got in there and, and all of the native birds became extinct. Suddenly the forests were like these haunted um, uh, castles with, with spiders everywhere. You, you couldn't walk through the forest without just being completely covered in, in, in spider webs because there was no bird. There were no birds left to eat the spiders, and the spiders just uh, uh, you know uh, you know, really increased their population in, in response. Birds are, are, are really fascinating creatures. They're they're unique. There's you know there's so much variety that are you know as diverse as say a whale is to a mouse to a deer. Um, and it's all in our, um, you know, all right in our backyard. Um, you know, we have uh, <clears throat> uh, interesting seabirds that in Long Island Sound, terns that nest there, and gulls that winter there. And yeah, as you mentioned, there's bald eagles. You, you can find, see a bald eagle pretty much anywhere, anytime in Connecticut. They've uh, recovered so so um, <clears throat> completely since the problems they had after World War II. And I think that's an amazing place to end. You know, things will survive and thrive. Everything adapts. People have adapted during this whole COVID pandemic. If it's getting outside and listening to the birds a little bit more, that's a silver lining I'll accept for that. 
Now joining, so joining me this morning again, Patrick Holmans, the executive director of the Connecticut Audubon Society. And like you said, sir, there's birds from one end of the state to the other, the coast to the mountains. There's so many things going on in Connecticut. I hope everyone gets outside, grab the family, go outside, and just listen to the birds. Because remember, great things happen at home in Connecticut. You've been listening to At Home in Connecticut, a public service project produced by WTIC News Talk 1080. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 